No? Okay. I think it's on now. Okay, so this morning, guys, I'm going to be, I'm not in Mark again. And uh, so this came uh, in our staff meeting this week as we talked about, you know, what's going on in the world around us. We just kind of were talking about how things are becoming more and more divided. There's, there's a widening gap within the world, and I think even within our church. Um, and we kind of need some, uh, some instruction on what hills are hills that are actually worth dying on for Christians. And like masks aren't a hill to die on. Politics isn't a hill to die on. When we go back to school, that's not a hill to die on. And there's kind of this widening gap happening right now between the two sides. So I'm going to be in Romans 13 and 14 this week, mostly in Romans 14, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But what is happening right now is, is uh, if, if you're on one of these two sides, what will happen to you on social media is it's something called cancel culture, and they will cancel you. I am now seeing on Twitter at least once a day a video that is a, it's a cancel video. Uh, I'll give you an example of one that might describe it the best. So there was a video, and there was this guy, and uh, he's at a restaurant, and he's a, he's a, he looks to be a, a Caucasian white male, and he's sitting there eating, and he's getting videotaped, and he yells at the people across the restaurant from him and says something about them being Asian. And then, you know, they say something back, like, what are you saying? And, uh, and then the, the waitress comes up, and she says, you, you can't talk to them like that. And he says some vulgar language and says, Trump's going to get you Asian, something like that, walks out angrily. The waitress, you know, she's asking him to leave. And, and so that's the video. Now, I looked at the comments underneath the video, and they all say, hey, this guy is Billy Bob whoever, and he is the CEO of this company in San Francisco. This is the name of the company. Here's his website. Here's his email. Please don't email all the people that his company supplies and tell them what a racist jerk he is. And do you see what's happening? Like, they're, they're, they're being sarcastic, but what they're saying is please do. Like, email all of them. Let them know how upset you are. Ruin his business. Ruin him. Okay? That, that is what is happening right now. So I, I would say that what he did, not appropriate, shouldn't have done it. But does he deserve to be canceled? I don't think that that is an appropriate response either. Okay? And, and so what I want to talk about today is as Christians, what's happening in our culture, how are we, how does God call us to respond to what is going on around us because if you're like me as this happens you probably feel emotion coming in your heart too and there are things that you probably also would like to respond on social media with okay and so let's let's just talk about that and let's see what should we do uh, in chapter 13 just to give you a little back so back in chapter 11 Paul's talking about the gospel the main message of Romans is the gospel of Jesus like that is the answer to the problems in Romans 13 then he's going to talk about how we should submit to authorities. Um, Paul's main message in this book is, is, is not like let's resist the government, but his main message in the book is the main way that you can see things change in your society is by preaching the gospel. The gospel actually comes into our heart and it will change our desires and our affections. So rather than spending your time protesting and, and rebelling against your government, spend your time sharing the gospel with your friends and neighbors. And if you do that, slowly but surely, your culture will change as you plant churches and share the gospel, right? That, that's what the book is about. So let's look at chapter 13, and I'll just read 1 to 7 for us. We'll stand when we get to 14. 
but I just want to give a little bit of background. So here's what 13:1 to 7 says. It says, let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God's appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive approval. For he is... Then uh, do what's good, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, he's afraid, for he doesn't bear the sword in vain. For he's the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. But for because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay all to all what's owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So this passage, what it's saying is that we should submit to our authorities, we should respect them. Uh, the, the only really evidence that we have in the New Testament of people resisting authorities is you could look in Acts when, when the apostles get thrown in prison and they basically say to the people that have thrown them in prison, uh, we have no choice. The, the gospel compels us to continue to preach the gospel. And, and so if you have an authority over you that's saying you can't preach the gospel anymore, then as a church, we're going to stand against that and we're going to resist it and we're going to continue to preach the gospel even if it means prison for us. But if it's not a gospel issue that they're restricting, then we're going to submit to it. And that's why today, like I know we don't agree with everything America spends their, our tax money on, but we still pay taxes because this passage says very clearly, it gives the example that you should pay taxes, okay? And so even this concept in Romans 13 that we should submit to the authorities over us is not a very American concept, right? Like we as Americans... Let's be honest, I have some of this in me. We, like, you have this thing where you want to rebel against authority, you want to fight against that. Like, we, we, Independence Day, that's a day that we celebrate, and we're celebrating that we stood against Britain and rejected their rule over us. So this is something that's kind of ingrained in us. But I, I had a pastor friend, and, and he, I don't know if he said this in a sermon or he said it to me, but it stuck with me, and he said this. He says, if you can't submit to the authorities you can see, what makes you think you'll submit to the authority you can't see? If you can't submit to the authorities you can see, your, your teachers, your professors, your parents, your, your pastors, your, all of that, if you can't submit to them, what makes you think you're going to be able to submit to God, right? And I thought that was a good question for us as, as Americans. Like, uh, you know, Christianity, it's not a democracy. Like, we uh, our voice doesn't really count. It's, it's what God says that matters, right? Like we need to submit to God. He's wiser than us. He, he's far more loving, far more uh, just than us. And we need to submit to what he tells us to do. So I think what Paul is saying in Romans 13 is that is we, we as Christians, if we choose to submit to people who are treating us even wrongly sometimes, it, it makes the culture around us scratch their head and ask, like, why are you doing this? Like, if your boss comes to you this week and, and he starts yelling at you and he's being a jerk to you and you respond with honor and respect, your coworkers are going to look at you and be like, why is he doing that? Now, I'm not saying you need to stay under an abusive boss. There's a point where you'd probably, you'd probably need to move on. But I'm just saying if, if, he's just, if he just loses his temper and starts yelling at you or something and you don't respond in kind, your coworkers are going to look at you and they're going to say, why didn't he respond in kind? What is going on with him? And, and it's, this, it's this chance for you to be a gospel witness, right? Okay, so that's 13. And he's kind of laying the groundwork for 14. In chapter 14, he's going to deal directly with these issues. And, and they're not sin issues. 
they are issues of preference, right? So one more thing about the book of Romans. This book was written to a church that was struggling with the issue of racism, right? So you got Jew and Gentile, and they're not getting along. So you have all these different people groups in the church in Rome, and they're not getting along. In Romans 14, these are the actual issues that they're not getting along on. And it's issues of food and drink and the days you celebrate. It's exactly what you would expect. Like when you get different people from different cultures together and, 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 and they're trying to hang out, like, yeah, you eat different stuff. You have different cultural days that you celebrate. This, this is normal stuff that would normally happen. And so it's happening to them. And Paul is going to give them some, some wisdom on how do, how do you walk through this? How do you navigate this turf? So um, let's read 14. 1 to 23. If you guys would stand with me, I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then I'm going to, we're going to go through it, okay? 14, 1 to 23. Romans 14, 1 to 23. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let the one who eats despise, not, let the, not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he'll be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love but by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Do not, let ev- do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything in- is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's God's word for us today. You may be seated. I'll pray, and we'll get, we'll get started. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this text. I thank you that this text speaks exactly to to what we're going through in America right now. We're a nation of many cultures. And because of that, we come together and we kind of have a lot of of disagreements about things, Lord. I pray as a a family of God, would you come? Would you speak to us this morning? Would you speak to me this morning, Lord? Um, I know this text is for me too. It's not just for the people here uh, in the audience, Lord, but it's for me as well. Would you come? Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would you show us where we've gotten off track, Lord? We want to hear from you. In your name I pray. Amen. 
All right, so Paul is going to begin to talk about what is going on. And uh, at the beginning here, in 1 through 3, he, he, he introduces this, this, uh, this idea of, a, of the weak person. So he says, the weak person eats only vegetables. So if you're, if you're a vegetarian here, you're in good company. There were people in the early church that were vegetarians as well. They had the same issue. There's probably people that pick on you. There were people picking on them. They were picking on other people. This is, this is normal stuff to happen. And so at the end of verse 2, Paul says that one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So he calls this person the weak person. So, so this is a person who uh, most likely they're just eating vegetables, and, and the issue is the, the meats were sacrificed at the temple. And so they said, I don't want anything to do with food sacrificed at the temple. I, I don't feel right about eating that. And so they say they're not going to eat it. I think as well, you know, Paul refers to the weak and strong here. And the weak are the people that abstain, and the strong are the ones who have the freedom to eat. And I, I believe the reason that Paul does that is, is we know, so, so this is just basic truth, that the gospel plus nothing equals salvation, right? Like you, you don't need to add anything to the gospel to be saved. You just need the gospel, and that equals salvation. But he sees with these people abstaining that they're saying the gospel plus not eating, veg, or eat, not eating meat that would equal salvation for them. Now, now, they're not going that far in this passage, right? Like, they have not done that. Paul's pretty clear that they haven't done that. But I think he's calling them weak because he sees that as the danger of, of, uh, of abstaining, right? Like, he, he's afraid that maybe they would go there, right? So, uh, so that's the weak person. The, the strong person is somebody who they are, they're still eating meat, but they are kind of looking at the people who aren't, and they're saying, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand that when Christ came, the, re the Jewish religious law was, was removed, and, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. We can eat whatever we want. What, what's wrong with you guys? And the issue is that they're, they're judging each other on this. You, you guys see that in the passage. So, so they're judging one another. So um, there, there's three things then in the text as you go through it that they're arguing over. The first one is what they eat or don't eat. And, and, and so that is an issue. You've got vegetarians, and then you've got the meat eaters on the other side. Uh, there's also the days that they observe. So you want to think probably Sabbath, Jewish holidays, things like that. So the Jews are saying, you know, you need, like, we've got to celebrate Saturday. Saturday is the day. That is the Sabbath. That's the way we've always done it. We need to keep doing it. And then you have the other side, most likely Gentiles. And they're saying, why don't you look at Acts 20, verse 7? And if you look there, you'd see it seems that at that point they started to celebrate on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose again. And, and what if I work on Sunday? What if Monday's my day off? Can, can Monday not be to the Lord? And, and this is the argument they have in the church. And then the final thing that they're arguing about in this passage is uh, drinking wine or not drinking wine. Um, this passage doesn't say anything about drunkenness. There are other passages that do. I, uh, there are other passages that make it pretty clear that if you're a Christian, you should not be getting drunk. That is, that is wrong, and that, that's going too far with it. But this passage, it's more about, like, is, is, I think it's the same thing. Is the wine offered to idols or not? And so some people are like, I, I think it's offered to idols. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to drink wine. And other people are like, no, I think the wine is okay for us to drink. So, so that's the three issues. So let's look at our own culture. What are issues in our culture right now that people are dividing over? And I think right away you guys are thinking of some things. So let me just, I'll walk through some of them. So the first one, I think we're dividing over, over masks and, and coronavirus in general. And, and we're asking, should we wear them, should we not wear them? So there's one group, and I'm going to give the extremes, and I realize most of you are probably in the middle somewhere, but I'll give the extremes. 
So there's one group, they say, um, I, I'm an American, I have freedom, I have rights, and I have the right not to wear a mask. And, and these, po- these, these people, they will also post uh, uh, videos of politicians who, you know, they'll give their speech, and first thing the speech is over, they'll show on the video, they take their mask off and start talking to people. And they're like, look, they're, they're being hypocrites, they don't actually wear it. They will also post things about, from doctors and, and various health professionals saying it's not good for you to wear a mask. And at the end of the day, they, they, this is kind of the extreme side. They would say, if you wear a mask, you're not a real American, you hate freedom, and the freedoms our country stands for. Okay? That's, that's kind of the extreme end that side. The other side, they will say, if you're not wearing a mask, basically you're, you're kind of choosing you want people to die. That, that's kind of what you're choosing. You don't really love them. And they will also cite doctors and nurses, and they will say, look, the stats say if you wear a mask, it is safer. Uh, They will also put videos up online of people in stores not wearing masks, and they will confront them and say, why aren't you wearing a mask? And then the person will go nuts and start throwing stuff at them, and they'll say, look, this person's being a Karen. That's online right now. If you don't know what that is, ask someone. It's an internet thing right now. The worst of this side, they say, if you don't wear a mask, you're just selfish and you want other people to die. Okay? So these are these two polar sides. I know neither of you are on the polar side. You're probably in the middle somewhere. But that's what's happening in America. What, what do we do with that? Do we cancel people? Is that the right answer? Next one, politics. So the Democrats, they, these are people that are probably going to vote for Biden, and they say you are, you're stupid and you are racist if you support Trump. You hate anyone who's a minority. Uh, you, you can't handle people disagreeing with you, and all, you, you, have, you don't care about the hurting and the poor at all. So that's one extreme side. The other side, the Republicans, they say if you're a Democrat, you want to destroy America. You don't care about the freedoms we have. You hate them. You are a snowflake that can't deal with dissenting opinions. And, 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 and they will also say that, like, Biden, he's not right in the head. And, and so these are the two sides, right? So you got, you got the Trump side and you have the Biden side. And again, this, we're, we're getting more and more polarized. Another issue we're dividing over is the issue of school. So we have people who say, you know, uh, if, if, by sending students and teachers back to school, you are basically sentencing them to death. Like, I can't believe that you would think of sending people back to school. That's terrible. So that's one side. That's the extreme side. I know not everyone's saying that, but I'm, I'm giving you extremes. The other extreme side, they would say, we have to get our kids back to school. It's not emotionally good for them. There are people committing suicide and, and stuff like that. And if, if, that, if we don't get them back to school, it's going to continue and they're going to get more and more behind. So again, we have these two sides. Can you see that in our culture? And again, the question is, what do we do? Do these people, do they deserve to be canceled? Is that the right answer? Um, drinking. So we have people in our church that, uh, and, and I know people, there are people in our church that they're almost prohibitionists. Like, they would like to make alcohol illegal, and they think it's, it's terrible, right? We also have people in our church who brew their own beer at home. Do, do you see that, like, that, that's a really big gap. And again, like, we're all the same church family. And if none of that got you, let me, let me give you this one. This happens to me a lot. So you're at the grocery store, and you're standing in line waiting to check out, and you start looking at the cart in front of you. And so maybe this cart, they've just bought all organic stuff. And so you look at it, and at first you just notice it, and then you're waiting a little longer than you think, and you start to look some more, and you're like, why did they buy all organic stuff? 
I mean, that is expensive. Do they not realize? They could have bought, like, they don't look like they have a lot of money. They probably could have got the same stuff way cheaper. Why are they doing this? This is, this is what happens in my mind sometimes. I'm sure it doesn't happen to you. Or somebody's in front of me, and it's kind of the opposite situation. They have, you know, they have, like, this huge, like, 24-pack of Coke, and it's up on the side of the cart. You know how people just put it on the, the side of the cart? And then they just got chips and cheese and ice cream, and their cart's just full of, of junk food. And again, in my heart, at first I'll be like, oh, they maybe have a party or something. And they'll be like, man, why did they get so much? That is not good for them. Like, that's not going to be good for their health. What are they thinking? This, and I start to judge them in my heart. So we got these very different views in our nation. And somehow we've got to choose as a church to come together on this stuff. Now, I want to be clear here. There are things in Scripture that are clearly sin, and there's no arguing about them, okay? So murder, abortion, sex outside of marriage, all of that, that's not even on the table. Paul, in this chapter, is simply, he's already talked about a lot of that. He's now talking about their preferences and how their preferences are getting in the way of the gospel going forward in their culture, right? And, and so um, what does Paul what does Paul have to say to this? In 14.1, he says, As for you, the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinion. So what he's ha- saying here is don't, don't invite people over your house just to argue with them. Like, that's not good. And I think if he was saying it in our culture, in our time, he would say, don't argue with, pe- with people over this kind of stuff on Facebook and Twitter and all your social media stuff. Like, just, it's not worth it. Just let it go. So I think that's the first thing, is just don't bother arguing about this stuff on Facebook and Twitter and it's not good for you. Don't, don't bother doing it. Three and four, verses three and four, he, he tells them, he says, don't, don't despise one another. Don't judge each other. And, and, and so what he's saying is when I was at the store and I saw that grocery cart in front of me, I need to not judge them. And I just need to celebrate with them. That, that's great. They love organic. They're going to be so healthy. That's awesome. They bought a whole bunch of junk food. They're probably having a party with their friends. It's going to be great. Like that, that's what I should be doing, but I end up often passing judgment, and that's not the right answer. And so we, we don't want to, to judge them on that. In verse 4, he gives the reason for this. He says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And, and he goes on then, and basically what he's saying is, you are not that other person's master. They don't answer to you. They answer to God. God's the only person that they're, they're going to answer to. And so I think when we start judging people about these kind of issues, really what's going on in our heart is an issue of control. Like we want to control their lives. We want to control their lives. Um, and, and the other thing is, and we'd never say this out loud, because in our culture, like uh, one of our key things is that truth like, truth is, is really based almost on our emotions, and so the, the important thing in our culture is you need to be true to yourself, okay? So we, we celebrate that, but at the same time, we're also an incredibly judgmental culture, and in our hearts, we're not saying it out loud, but we're often judging people in our hearts uh, about right and wrong. And, and the thing is, when we judge people in our hearts like that, and we make a determination that what they're doing is wrong— uh, we need to realize that that same level of judgment is probably at some point going to come back at us and, and that we struggle with things too. Yeah, in this area, we might be doing great, but if I go to another area, we might be completely just not doing good. So let me give you an example. This week, how many of you, when you were driving your car, 
you sped. Like you, you went over the speed limit when you were driving your car. I know I did, right? <laughs> yeah, raising your hand, that's good. Um, most of us this week probably sped. And when we were in Romans chapter 13, it says that we should submit to governing authorities. So when we go over the speed limit, are we submitting to government authorities? No, I didn't submit to government authorities when I went too fast this week. So you see what I'm saying? I'm judging their cart, but if they came and they wanted to judge me, they could find plenty of things to judge me on as well. And, and so this is why in, uh, in, I think it's in Matthew, Jesus says, brother, take this, let, this, let, let me take the, out the speck that's in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck that out that is in your brother's eye. And so what Jesus is saying is there's actually a log in our eye, and it's just a speck in our brother's eye. So some of us in the church here, we think that as we grow in Christ, that log should get smaller and smaller. But what I'm telling you is as we grow in Christ, your awareness of how great that log is in your eye should get greater and greater and greater. And that happens because as you're looking to Jesus each day and you're spending time with him and you're seeing how gracious he is, how loving he is, how holy he is, how perfect he is, and then you look at yourself, you're more and more like, yeah, I, I don't measure up. Like I have some serious issues when, when you're talking about my desires and, and, what, I, and what I do, like I, I'm, I'm very far from God. So that log should get bigger and bigger and it should cause us to get more and more humble and less and less critical and judgmental of other people. And if you're somebody who thinks that the log should get smaller and smaller, I think that's something, like, you need to ask yourself, is it really Jesus that you're following? Because the log, we should recognize it's bigger and bigger. Because pride, criticism, and just general nastiness are not fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, that kind of stuff is fruits of the Spirit. So we don't want to be controlling people. In verse 6, it says, the one who observes the day observes in honor of the Lord. The next verse also says, in honor of the Lord. And then if you look, yeah, farther down in the verse, honor the Lord. So, so three times here, it says that like your goal should be to honor God in everything you do. Um, so, and, and what Paul's saying here is we need to follow our conscience in what we eat and in what we drink. And we need to honor God with it. In verse 8, he says, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live, whether we die, we're the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we'll stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So one day, each of us is going to find ourselves before God bowing down before him, and we're going to have to give an account for how we lived our days. Um, where we, and, 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 and all of our preferences and all the things that we like, we're going to come before him, and we're going to have to kind of submit that all to him. And, and he's going to ask us, did you live for me? Like, did you lay down your life, and were you willing to live for me? And, and so this is, the, this is the opposite of what our culture teaches our culture teaches us that you should have things your way, right away. It, like that web page, like when you have your phone out, it should download in a second. When you go to Starbucks, you should be able to order your half-calf soy latte at 183 degrees, and it better be exactly 183 degrees because that's what you ordered, right? Like that's, that is our culture. We're to get everything we want now the way we want it. 
But what Paul is saying here is, it is it's not actually about you. You're not the king of the universe. Jesus is the king, and one day you are going to have to bow your knee to him. And so we've got to ask ourselves, are we living our lives this way? Are we living our lives for the glory of God, or are we living it for our own personal preferences? Because Paul, if you don't get this, if, if it's not all about Jesus, the next thing that Paul asks us to do, you're, you're not going to be able to get there. Like, he's going to ask you to do things that you're going to be like, I, I, I don't know why I do that. You first have to bow your knee to Jesus. So let's look, 13 to 19. He says, let's not pass judgment on one another any longer. But rather, let's decide, never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean in itself, but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother's grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let your, your, your regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Paul is saying here that there's some things that we're going to have to choose to lay down because Jesus is our king. There's some preferences that we have that we're not going to be able to walk out for the sake of our brothers because we don't want to see our brother stumble. We don't want to be a cause for our brother stumbling. Uh, Paul maybe said it even clearer in 12.10, he said, outdo one another in showing honor, uh, love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. Like, that's, that's one of the only places in Scripture where I've seen that as Christians we are to compete for something. And the thing that we're to compete for is we're to outdo one another in showing honor. That's a, that's a command. That's something we're supposed to do no matter who it is. We are to outdo one another in showing honor. So what does this, what's this look like in, in our culture um, you know, as a follower of Jesus, first and foremost, we're part of a heavenly kingdom before we're ever part of the American uh, kingdom. You know, our, our American country, I hope America lasts a lot longer. I think it's a wonderful place. I'm blessed to be an American citizen. But one day, the American, as, as a nation, it will be done. It won't continue. And our heavenly kingdom, it's going to be forever. And you remember that rope I had last week? You remember how long it was? At some point, we're going to be in eternity in heaven with Jesus and you're going to maybe have spent 300 years there and just be getting started. And you're going to look back on your time, your, your short little time in life. And you're going to be like, man, some of the stuff that I was upset about really wasn't that significant, right? So, so what do we do? I would say that uh, unless you have a medical issue, you should probably wear a mask. Like what I'm doing right now is when I, I'm a pastor, and so this isn't something that I want to argue with people about. I don't want to argue about masks, and so whatever home or store or whatever I go into, I put my mask on, unless it's somebody I've already talked to and I know they don't care. So I walk in with my mask on, and what you'll find is people very quickly, you'll find out where they're at. If there's somebody that doesn't care about wearing masks, right away, you don't have to have that on, take it off. And if they don't say anything, I keep it on. That's simple. I, I think that's a simple thing that, that we're called to do. Um, what if, what if you have a friend who's a recovering alcoholic, but you feel you have the freedom to have a beer once in a while? Well, you should never drink around that friend because you don't want to be the person to cause them to stumble, right? What if you're the other person? You abstain from lots of things, and, and especially you, you abstain from alcohol, and you don't think it's right to be drinking alcohol. Uh, should you assume that your friends who do drink are having wild parties and getting crazy with alcohol all the time. You should not assume that. You should assume the best of them 
And you assume that once in a while they have some wine with their wife, and that's probably about it. Like, unless you have reason not to assume that, that is what you assume. I think, I think you avoid a ton of issues simply by assuming the best uh, of, of, of people that you're in relationship with. When, is there ever a time that you uh, would confront people on, on preference issues? Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that there would be. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of maybe when you would. I think the only time you do is when their conduct is not in step with the gospel, okay? So I'll give you an example. Uh, if somebody comes to you and they say, you know, they come to me and they say, my preference is I don't drink, I don't feel I have the freedom to do it, you know, maybe they had an uncle or an aunt or somebody that was an alcoholic and they're just, they're terrified that they'll have the same issue and they don't, they don't even want to go near it, okay? And I'll say, bless you, brother, that's great, don't drink, I'm with you. But if they say, if they start going around the church and they say, you know, I don't drink beer, I think people who do are going to hell, they're not real Christians, and they start going around and teaching other people in the church, if you drink beer, you're going to hell, that's when I'm going to come to them and say, you, you can't do that. You're, you're taking this too far, and, and you're out of step with the gospel, and, and you need to stop saying this, right? Other side of it. If, if there's somebody that says, you know, I, I, I don't think drinking is wrong, I think and you're not a real Christian unless you've experienced this enlightenment that tells you that you are able to drink beer. You need to experience this freedom too. And they go around, and they're preaching that in the church, that unless you actually drink alcohol, you're not a real Christian. I would go to them as well, and I would oppose them to their face, and I would say, you're out of step with the gospel. You're taking this too far. It's not that kind of issue. Please don't preach that in our church. If you are a, a Trump supporter, and you start going around our church and you start telling people, you're not a real follower of Jesus unless you vote for Trump. I mean, aren't you pro-life? What is, like, you have to vote for him. That, that's the thing. I, I would come to you and I would say, you're, you're, you're taking this too far. You cannot, like, you can still be a Christian and vote for Biden. Or if somebody came into our church and they started saying, you've got to vote for Biden. How could you vote for Trump? Have you seen what he's done in the presidency? I mean, he's been terrible. You must hate poor people. You must hate minority groups. Again, I would come to that person and I'd say, you're going too far with this. You cannot say that in our church. We're not a political organization. We are part of the kingdom of God. And let's be honest, on this issue of, of voting, have any of you ever voted for someone that you agree with everything that they say? That every, every one of the, the platforms they stand on, you're like, yes, I'm totally with them. I've never voted for somebody that I agreed with every single point. And I think especially the coming election in November... I don't think any of us are going to agree with everything that either of those guys say. And so we have to have grace in our church. I'm telling you, there's people in our church that are going to vote for Biden. And I'm telling you, there are people in our church, they're going to vote for Trump. And you cannot assume the worst of them. You can't assume if they vote for Biden that they're pro-abortion. They probably aren't. They're probably just like you, holding their nose and doing the best they can, right? Like that's, I mean, that's kind of what we do when we vote now. You hold your nose and you kind of vote your, your conscience. And if somebody votes for Trump, you can't assume that that means that they're a racist and, they're, and, they're, and, and all this other stuff. You've just got to assume that they're a faithful believer that is doing they're best just like you. Here's the thing. Uh, when we're talking about social media, the people on social media right now that you think are so out there and you just hate them, if you actually sat down and had a coffee with them, do you know what you'd discover? You're not, they're not as far off as you think they are. I, I, I'm telling you, like 90% of the people, some of them, they really are. They're nuts. There, there are some nutty people on, on social media. There are. But the majority of them, if you sat down and talked to them, they're not as out there as you think. They agree with you far more than you realize. I think the issue here is, and, and this is what Paul is really calling us to, he's calling us to live a, a missional life, to live lives as missionaries. I used to be a missionary. I used to live in a foreign country. 
And, and so something that happened to me often, I'd be at a restaurant, sometimes I'd be in, in a home of people that were much poorer than myself, and they'd be providing a meal. And what would happen in these situations is they would offer me food. And usually it was the best food in the culture, right? Like this is their best that they're giving me. Now I had an option. I could say to them, I don't eat that. I don't like that. I don't want it. Don't give it to me. But I, I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do that, because literally, like, as they're giving it to me, they're there just watching, like, oh, is he going to like it? This is, that, that's what they're doing. I want to share the gospel with them. I want them to know Jesus. And if I refuse that food, the chances of them listening to the gospel message, it goes down. And so you know what I do? I say, thank you so much. I wouldn't ask what it was beforehand. Don't want to know. I'll find out later. And I would eat it. I would make sure my face was smiling. And I would say something like, well, that was interesting. I've never had anything like that if I didn't like it. If I liked it, I'd be like, that was awesome. Give me some more. Um, but my, my point is, like, it, that's, like, food's just a preference thing. And my main goal was sharing the gospel with them. That's what I wanted to happen. And our goal as a church is the gospel going forward. Our goal as a church is, like, you're walking in downtown Chambersburg, and, and our, our, our culture is so saturated with the gospel that, that you can't even walk in downtown Chambersburg anymore without people coming up to you and talking to you about Jesus. That's what we want to see happen in Chambersburg. But if we spend all our time arguing over all these preferences, and particularly if we as a church spend time arguing over preferences, nobody's going to be attracted to the church. They're not going to want to come because they're going to be like, those Christians, they're just the people that fight over all these preferences all the time. I actually think we as a body have done a pretty good job up to this point of being a very diverse group of people that despite our diversity and our different political views and all of that, we still love each other as a, as a church body. And I, I think when people see that, it attracts them to us, but we have got to continue to do that. So what are, what are some practical applications for you this week um, I think some of you, it would be very wise for you, maybe just shut down your social media for a while. I mean, especially in this season. I mean, there are people, I see a cancel video, like every day there's a new cancel, like somebody that is getting canceled. I don't know, I don't know how much longer I want to be on social media. Like, it might be good just to take a break from it for a week or two, detox. I think that would be good for some of us. Um, I, I mean, with the mask thing, I think we've just got to prefer other people and, and choose to wear a mask into places. And if they say you don't need that, then take it off. I mean, or if you want to keep it on and you're diehard about that, keep it on then. But like we can't divide over mask. And whatever you do, you've got to honor others. Like your main goal shouldn't be like, I'm going to prove my point. Your main goal should be, how can I honor this person? Because just like me, when I was a missionary, I was trying not to upset people by my opinions, right? Like, because I, I wanted them to hear Jesus. I didn't want to upset them over, over food. You don't want to upset them over the mask thing because your main goal is you want them to know Jesus. You guys you see that. Um, I think that's pretty much my sermon today, guys. Let me pray. Lord, man, I thank you so much. that uh, God's word, it, it just addresses everything. Everything that we struggle with as human beings, somewhere in this book, you, you've talked about it, Lord. And so I pray for us today, wherever our hearts are at on this, and I know there's people in this room in, in different places, would, would you help us to choose to love each other? Would you help us to choose to honor each other's feelings? Would you help us to be people that care way more about the gospel going forward than we do about our own personal preferences? And as we do that, Lord, I pray that the gospel would go forward in Chambersburg. I pray more and more people would come to know you, and this town would be changed, Lord. You can do that, Lord, and I pray that you would.
your name I pray. Amen.